we've been talking about discipleship. We've been talking about what does it mean uh, as we grow deep, as we grow in our walk with Jesus Christ deeper. And, and this whole idea, this whole focus is that it's important to make a decision for Jesus and say, yes, God, I, I want to be in relationship to you. And that's a very important first step. It's a necessary first step to our coming into the family of God and coming into relationship with God is to say, yes, I accept your son, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of my sins. And, and, and in place of my own death, I accept the death of Jesus Christ. And then I also receive the resurrected life that that God is providing for me. And so we say yes to Jesus so we can begin then a discipleship process or a following of Him. We follow His teaching, we follow His example, and we are filled with His Spirit so we can allow the, the life of God to be lived through us and what He wants to do. So we surrender our life as we would live it and what we want for ourselves, just saying our, our self-life, and we say, I want to live for Jesus. So that decision, of course, right? A decision is so critical. It's a very first step of our walk with Jesus Christ. But then the next part of that is discipleship, and that's, that's the part that's a little more challenging. Uh, that's a little bit more when Jesus said uh, to his disciples, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, and he commissioned them out. So it goes beyond just the decision-making process. He could have narrowed it down and said, go and get converts for me, or go and make this, get decisions for me. But that word discipleship has a much richer idea behind it, a following, a devotion uh, to, to Jesus Christ. And in fact, right on the heels of commissioning the disciples, he says, baptizing them, he gives them these instructions, baptizing them, your disciples, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I, I love that imagery of the word. We've talked about it when we've done water baptisms in the past, that it is an idea of an immersion. And, and as scholars were looking at what is this word, what's the really understanding of this word uh, baptizing, what does this mean? One of the ways that they understood the interpretation when they were kind of looking at biblical translation is they found a recipe for making pickles, and so the idea was they use that same word that's found there, that baptismo, that same idea that it's going to be immersed, and what was once a cucumber becomes a pickle by being immersed. And so Jesus is pickling you. You're being pickled for the kingdom, right? You're becoming something else, right? So when, you have a, when I have a pickle, I don't say, oh, it's a mini cucumber. No, it's a pickle. It's been changed because it's been immersed in that brine and, and from the inside all the way out, it's something that's been transformed. And it's really kind of that same concept when we're being made disciples and when we're disciple making and partnering with others in their walk with Christ is that we're being transformed. We're being immersed in the life of the Father, being immersed in the life of the Son, being immersed in the life of the Spirit in such a way that it's transforma uh, transformational to us. We're not the same people. And that's really the whole message of the gospel, that I don't have to be the same person that I was before Christ. I can be a new creation. I don't have to have the same habits that I had. I don't have to think the same way. I can be more in the image of Jesus Christ, and that's such a, a good news message for every one of us. And so we've been looking at this idea of growing deep and, and what does it mean to grow deep. And so I've had this slide up every every Sunday, and it just says, our life produces what we've sown into it. And it's this idea that discipleship 
doesn't just happen because we show up at places where other Christians are at. And it doesn't just happen because I turn on the radio and I listen to maybe Christian music. And it, and it even doesn't happen if I have a, a devotional book that I read each morning. Those can be influencers in my life. But discipleship happens when I regularly sow into my life consistently time with Jesus, both in the Word but also in silence and solitude and listening to what He has to speak to me. It's, it's my time in, in just being in relationship, in community with others, in small group or, or in fellowship with others. So it's this whole idea that I'm sowing into my life more of Jesus and I'm understanding the influencers of the culture around me so that I can identify or separate out what's Jesus in me and what's the culture around me. And how am I looking more like Jesus versus more than just the culture that I'm surrounded by? So why is this necessary? Why do we need this? I I think it's kind of self-explanatory, but let me bring to light this uh, study by the American Psychological Association of a survey of Americans, uh, U.S. citizens. or um, It says... 47% 47% of those surveyed, so they gave them a list of, are any of these things true of you? Are you experiencing uh, in any of these items? Are any of these statements true of you? So 47% of the people surveyed said they're having trouble sleeping. 46% said they're uh, more irritable than they ever have been before. 45% said they're fatigued all the time. 40% of the people surveyed uh, said they... Uh, they, they lack uh, motivation or they lack a motivation for just daily living. They, they lack this desire for daily living. Uh, 37% are dealing with actual depression and, and just a, a sadness that overwhelms them. At 33%, so they have a constant headache that, that just comes on them from the tension that they experience day after day. Uh, 45% of teens said they have excessive worrying all the time. 45% of teens are worrying constantly. And this was kind of the most uh, eye-opening statement, is that the majority of the people said they have too much stress to manage their stress. They're under too much stress and oppression and just the weight of everything that's going on to feel like they can even manage it. So it's just day after day after day of the same. So we need a good news message. We need something that pulls us out of this culture and this cycle that just says we are at the, at the hands of those things that would oppress us and cause us strain and, and overwhelm us all the time, that would steal away from us an abiding rest in Christ. And so being in the culture, we, we know that we're not immune to these things. We're not immune to them, but we do have the power of the Holy Spirit within us, and we do have a gospel message, and we do have the presence of Christ to be able to lift us up from the midst of the culture and allow us to experience something other than the life that's presented to us from the culture that surrounds us. Amen? Amen. So if our life produces what we've sown into it, then we know that we really need to sow more of Jesus into our life. We need more of the life because we admire Him. We look at what He did, how He lived, his relationship to the Father, and we say, yes, I want more of that. I want more of the way in which he was in complete control of where he went and the life that he experienced. He wasn't a victim of, and at the, at the 
hands of everything and everyone that came his way. So let's pray as we uh, look at Luke chapter 2. We're going to talk about peace this morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tag team with what Bob Litzheim shared earlier, and uh, that that peace that comes to us, it's an abiding peace that comes from Christ. And so let's, let's pray and just ask the Holy Spirit to usher us closer to that point. We thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for the word. We believe that it not only contains truth, but it contains, uh, Lord, your heart for us. We believe that it contains your words to us. And so that we can receive it, God, in in a way that will open us up to a life that we would have never had before. But Lord, it's not just the words that we're reading, it's your Holy Spirit that is quickening us uh, this morning as we gather together. It's your Holy Spirit that has is, that is prepared a message for every one of us. And I thank you that you do that, Lord, that there's not a person sitting here this morning, there's not anyone in this room that you have not prepared a custom message that you will go beyond my words and my thoughts and you will share your words and your thoughts with them. And that you will cause certain things to come off the page and come alive to them. And, and Lord, you will just insert throughout this room, a, you'll whisper a, a word or an, an encouragement. You'll bring to mind a different scripture. And so, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to do your work now. To speak to us and to minister among us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the passage, there's a couple. There's one out of Luke chapter 2 and then Isaiah chapter 9, which kind of dovetails on to the, the Scripture in Luke 2. So if you have your Bible or an app that you want to open, and again, we have it on the screen behind me, is Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 14. This is part of what Bob read earlier, at least the same uh, message that was brought by the angels. Uh, Christ has been born. And so pick up in verse 10 of Luke 2. It says, And the angel said to them, this is the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7. This is the prophetic word about the coming Messiah. It says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So he's look at these two passages of Scripture and, and kind of popping up over, repeated over, is that he is the Prince of Peace and with him will come peace. I think to those things that I spoke about earlier, trouble sleeping, irritable all the time, fatigue, a lack of motivation, depression, headache, sadness, too much stress to even deal with my stress. I just think of what God then speaks into our lives. 
And he gives us not a powerful, overbearing king who puts another burden on top of us, but it says he brings us the prince of peace. The one in whom his peace there will be no end. The one in whom he brings to us salvation that doesn't just give us something to do for him, it gives us people to be in his presence. People to experience who he is. So those who welcome Jesus as King and Lord, there's this peace that accompanies life. It's not something that you have to really learn so much as a follower of Jesus. It's something that it says he gives to us when we receive him and his spirit comes into us and he abides with us. It's the peace of Christ that comes upon us. It's not something we've worked for. It's not something that we've somehow figured out the key to and and now we receive this peace. He gives us his peace. He gives us peace. What a gift that God comes. And he says, any turmoil, anything that's troubling you, he says, you can have this opportunity to exchange your burden and your your weights. And I I love how the message uh, translation or or, uh, paraphrase says this. Jesus says that my my burden is easy, (laughs) right? My, My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Message Paraphrase says it this way, that with me you can live freely and lightly. (laughs) That's his invitation, to live freely and lightly. There's sometimes this idea that this peace comes and, um, and and it can be stolen from us. I've heard that, that I'm allowing this situation to steal my peace. This is the situation that this person is stealing my peace. The reality is the evil one doesn't steal our peace from us. Their circumstances don't steal our peace from us. Peace that Christ has given us is something that, unfortunately, we give away. We give away. We we make an exchange. We trade it for something that seems more pleasing. What would be more pleasing than the peace of God? It's the same thing that was more pleasing when we look at the creation story with Adam and Eve knowledge, to have an understanding that they traded. They ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil so that they could have understanding and be more like God in their understanding instead of receiving from the Heavenly Father what was available to them. You know, that was the same temptation that was brought to Jesus. So he grows from a baby up to a man and he's then baptized and then he goes out to the desert where he's to be tempted. So he's been fasting, Matthew 4, 4 through 11. Let me read it for you. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but uh, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, All of these I will give you if you'll fall down and worship me. 
Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. These temptations that came to Jesus, you know, Satan came before him and offered him these different areas addressing, each one addressing a different area of life. Uh, they were challenge for they were really a challenge for Jesus to exchange his trust and his abiding in the heavenly father and the plan of the father for something with immediacy and something very tangible that he could just hold on to at that moment. It was an exchange of the road of faith and trust in the father for the knowledge of what was certain and what was known. Jesus wasn't tempted by these, of course, living sinless. He refuted each one with the word of God and saying, you're going to trust God. He's going to take care of me. I'm not going to put him to the test. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to succumb to Satan's temptations to me, but I'm trusting in what the Father has for me. He had confidence in the Father, not feeling the exchange, the, the temptation to exchange what was immediate and the knowledge that the enemy would give to him for something that was more permanent than what God wanted for him. So let me bring this to kind of around to us. It says, uh, in, this, in the same idea, in the same way in which we receive peace. We receive peace through faith and trust in the Father, not by pursuing certainty in our circumstances. This is the great temptation. This is where we're most challenged in our ability to receive the peace that God has for us, is that we oftentimes want the knowing of something, and if I just know enough about it, if I know what's coming, or if I know what's around the corner, then I'll have peace about it then I'll feel good about it if I have knowledge of what's coming my way. We, we don't like surprises when it comes to temptations or hardships or difficulties or trials, right? We don't like the things that are sprung up on us and caught us unaware. We want to be ready for them. We, we, we're going to have peace, we think, if I just have the right information, and then I can make the right decision, and that will give me peace. Do you know that's not the type of peace that God's talking about that he imparts to us. That's not the peace that Christ imparts to us. It's not, the peace of, it's not the peace of understanding the circumstance of everything around us. The peace that Christ brings to us is the peace that comes by faith of saying, Father God, I know that you love me, and I know that you know everything concerning my life, both now and what's to come. And so the peace I have is surrendering myself to you wholly and trusting that whatever I don't know and whatever I can't figure out, I do know you and I do trust you. It is a peace that comes by faith in the person of Christ and what he's already accomplished. And that's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult for me. It's challenging because I think if I just get another detail, my family teases me sometimes because of the research I do on the most, the, the smallest things. What's, you know, What's a good pair of gloves to buy? Let's Google it and find out. <laughs> Give me the top five gloves for, you know, playing in the snow, you know, and then I reduce it down and this one has this and that one has that and this one's made of fiber and this is a polyfill and, you know, go through and they're just, you know, looking at me thinking, what is wrong with you, you know? <laughs> but that's my drive that if I have the right answer, if I have the right information, I'm not going to get duped. I'm going to make the right decision and then I'm not going to have, what, buyer's remorse. Then I'm not going to 
I'm not going to, after the fact, go, oh, I should have got the other one. Why? Because I did all my due diligence up front. I researched it all. I had all the right answers. And therefore, I have peace about what I'm, the decision I'm going to make. You ever do that? Anybody else ever do that? Right? We think we'll obtain peace by having the right answers, and the right answers will rest in that, and that will give us the peace. I'm here to tell you it doesn't work. Not for your life. It might work for gloves. It might work for movie ratings. It doesn't work for your life. You will never, I'm sorry, this is a hard one, you will never have enough right answers about your life to feel at peace with where you're going and what's, what you're about to face. Life will always throw a curve at you. Circumstances, trials, hardships, uh, medical issues, family relationships, you will always face a curve that you were not anticipating and it will leave you feeling without peace. It will leave you feeling desolate. What do I do next? I need an answer. I need this person to solve this for me. I need this person to stop doing that. I need this person to give me more information. God, I need you to give me what I need in order so that I can feel at peace. And God says, I've given you everything you need in Jesus Christ. By faith, you receive the peace of Christ. And that's, that's not a blind, ignorant statement of, well, it just doesn't matter. What, no, it matters what happens next. But we have our limitations. We have our limits to what we understand and what's coming next and, and the whys of our life. And so the place we have to remain at it and get to is, I trust the Heavenly Father. I trust His heart for me. I trust His outcomes and what he wants for me. And so my peace come, my peace resides within me by abiding in him. We receive that peace through the faith and trust in the Father, not by pursuing certainty in our circumstances. We see this back to, I mentioned earlier, the garden. Genesis 3, it's the history of mankind believing that God has withheld something good from us. And namely, it's knowledge. We believe God doesn't give us enough knowledge to live the life that he's asked us to live. But the reality is that this peace, it comes through faith. It's one of the most common ideas in Scripture. How many times we go through Scripture is this encouragement? Be still and know that I am God. Be still, God says, and I will fight the battle for you. Wait upon the Lord and see what he will do. These encouragements, be still, wait, listen, trust in in God and what what He has. God will fight for you. You only need be still. So let me reemphasize this another way and and, uh, I'm going to wrap up here in just a moment. The peace that's available is not in knowing all the answers, but in resting in Him who does. I know that sounds very simplistic, but... um, let me, let me give you another kind of way of thinking about it. Is how, how many of you remember or are currently taking exams in school? You remember preparing, studying, right? And you're, you are trying to cram as much information as you can into this melon. And you're just, everything that you can get shoved in there because you want to make sure you have every possible answer. And then I remember, and maybe you had a similar experience, I remember feeling so good at times where my study was so good, and I show up at a test, and I'm just nervous that I'm not going to get it, 
And I just remember answer after answer coming to me, and I'm just like, yes, I did the right studying. I, I had the right notes. I went through the right, and a test, you know, an exam where I'm going through, I just feel like this is, I thought I was going to, you know, get buried under on this one, but I actually, I actually was ready for it, and I prepared, and it, and it just matched up so, so good. Then there's the other ones. There's, then there's the other side where I go in and either I've underprepared or I didn't prepare the right things. And I go in and it's asking a question and I think, this isn't even the right class, is it? I don't, what's that question from? Did we even talk about this subject? I don't even know what that is. And just line after line, I'm just thinking, I don't think I've, this can't be the right test. I'm just not in the right place. I just don't feel prepared for it. And the anxiety that just kind of goes, goes with that. Listen, it's, it's kind of like as we look at our lives, we think we have to have all the right content. We have to have prepared ourselves and stuffed our lives with all the right answers. How many times do I talk with people and they say, I don't know that I can share my faith because I don't know that I have the right answers. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the right answer. You can point that individual that you are trying to share the gospel with, you can point them to Jesus Christ. That's the right answer. He's the right answer. Jesus Christ is what you need to know. He's the one you need to know. And you can share out of your life your relationship with Jesus. So you don't remember a particular scripture. You know what? That's okay. You still pass the test. So you don't know how to answer their questions about why bad things happen to good people. That's okay. You can still pass the test. You can still point them to Jesus. And God can talk with them and walk with them through some of those difficult answers. And that's where we sometimes get off is we think the peace is going to come with more content. If we're prepared, if we've studied enough, if we read the right books, if we're doing all the right things, this peace that Christ has for us this Christmas, this peace that's waiting for you, it's received by faith. So how do, how do we do this? How do we receive peace by faith? Uh, let me give you just a, a couple simplistic ideas and if you know much about me, it's I love simple. Because <laughs> we can all do it. And to me, that's the gospel. We can all live it. God didn't put a burden on us so heavy that only a few can succeed in the Christian life. He gave us a, a gospel that we can live freely and lightly. And every individual in every continent, every language, every tongue, every tribe, everybody can live it out. Every age group. And so here's some simple things we do. One is... Am I, are you, are you taking time to be still before the Lord each day? And I would encourage you to take time morning, and here's, here's a tough one that a lot of us don't do, midday. Are you taking time in the middle of your day to be still and to refocus yourself back to the Lord? Oftentimes I talk with uh, Christians and they say, I have a great devotional life. I wake up early in the morning and I do my study and I have prayer time, and that's, that's excellent. That's an important part of spending time with Jesus. But I know oftentimes we do that and then we go headlong into the day. And it could be 12 hours before we pause a moment to acknowledge our relationship with God and that He's present with us. That's a long time to, to spend time in the morning and then take on a whole day and everything that you might face during the course of a day without pausing for a moment 
to reconnect with your Heavenly Father and be mindful that He's with you and ask Him if there's anything that's changed today, anything that you need to adjust in your own attitude, and your own thinking. So even as simple as 15 minutes, just that pause, set a point on your calendar, set an alarm that goes off at 12.30 or, or 1 in the afternoon that reminds you, I'm going to stop for a moment. I'm going to refocus and just spend my time with Jesus for a moment so that I'm abiding and I'm not getting caught up in the things that are happening around me, but I'm allowing him to bring his peace to me. I'm allowing him to speak to me in this, this moment. Another thing is to focus your time not on the thing that troubles you. Mention it before the Lord, but mostly bring yourself before the Lord. Our prayer time, it goes to the point of we can get caught up in just talking about the thing that we want an answer for. We can get really fixated on that one item that we really are troubled by, and it becomes the one thing that consumes our prayer time, and we want God answer. I need, I need to know this. I need to figure this out. Instead of simply bringing it before the Lord and just saying, God, here's what concerns my heart. Here's, here's what's troubling me, and I want to be with you. I want to be in your word, and I want to allow you to speak to me about that thing. Instead of me speaking to you about it, I want you to speak to me about it. If you begin to talk to me, God, about what troubles me and what's happening beneath the surface of my life, then, God, I can more readily receive his peace. Another one is to, to read and speak words of affirmation of God's care over your life, to push back against the temptation, to exchange the peace of God for more answers and have the right answers from God. So by that, we're just saying this, doing the same thing that Jesus did. Jesus spoke Scripture. The enemy came to him and said, listen, you can have certainty. I'll, I'll give you this whole kingdom if you'll simply come to me and, and bow down. You'll have certainty. You'll have, you know you'll have this kingdom. All you have to do is bow. All you have to do is, is worship. And Jesus said, I'm not trading a certainty for my relationship with my Father. Because the devil, what he says is certain is only temporary. What's lasting is the relationship you have with your Heavenly Father. And so it's this opportunity to, to say, I'm not going to trade off this idea of what seems like certain and the right answers and pursuing all these answers when really what I need is to stay connected to my Heavenly Father. I need to trust that He has the right answer for me. And so speaking Scripture that talks about your circumstance, recognizing that my Heavenly Father knows me, He's aware of me, that He's going to meet my needs, that He's watching over my, my steps, that He cares about the people that matter most to me. So reading Scripture and, and having a couple Scriptures that you can recite that remind you of that, it pushes back when the enemy comes at you trying to give you these certainties about life and what he can give you in the moment. It's a, an ability to push that back and make room for God to speak to you and say, God, I need your peace in this moment. I need you to speak to me, Lord, about what's truth in my life. We are a culture that is immersed in hurrying and outpacing ourselves and and rushing from here to there. And so our invitation this morning as a church, what we're trying to get better at, what we're trying to disciple in, is to say we don't have to have all the right answers. We don't have to have all the right programs. We have to be people whose lives are at pace with the life that Jesus is walking us through. Another way of saying that is that 
We want to be with Jesus at the same rate in which we're living for and doing for Jesus. But the challenge is is that for many of us, we outpace our walk with Christ. We get in a hurry. We want to do things for God. We want to do things for others at a pace that we haven't immersed our life with Jesus in. And as a consequence, we get burnt out. We use that word often. We get burnt out. We get stressed out. We get overwhelmed because we're moving at a pace that goes past the depth of our relationship with Jesus. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable from a discipleship standpoint. It's sustainable sometimes physically. We can run that race for a period of time. But it's not sustainable for our soul. It's not sustainable to experience the life that Jesus calls us to, which is, he says, I want to give you abundant life, a life where you can live freely and lightly. Would you join me in standing? And as you do, we're going to finish with some time of worship. As Bob mentioned earlier, um, we would love to welcome anybody who has not yet made that decision that I talked about earlier. If you have not said, yes, I want to follow Jesus Christ, today is the day to start that, that fellowship, that walk with your Heavenly Father. And you can do that uh, just by saying yes. Uh, when we start our worship time, you can go back to the prayer room, and one of our prayer partners would uh, just pray with you that you can receive Christ, and then they'll also give you this uh, start to follow. It's a devotional book that will just kind of help you in your first steps your walk with Jesus, totally free, just pass that along to you just so that you can get to know God more closely. So that's the first opportunity to respond. How many of you this morning would just say, I want more of the peace of Jesus in my life? I want more peace this holiday season. With Anybody out driving yesterday in the valley at stores? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I was there. I was there. I Maybe ran past a couple of you on my way to my stores and a little bit chaotic, right? A little crazy, the lines, the parking lots. And it's so easy just to, that tension starts getting up there and people cutting off and doing the, and it's so easy to get that blood pressure raised. And, and in the midst of that, we would say, Merry Christmas. <laughs> No, no, we don't want to be there. We want to come back to this place where we say, Jesus, thank you what you've brought to us. Jesus, thank you. You are the Prince of Peace, right? We want the season not to be attention-raising and hysteria of what's going on around us. We want it to be a moment where we just abide in Christ and we have this peace that comes over us, not because we have figured everything out Not because we know all the right answers, but because we know the right one. We know the Father. And He's giving us peace through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so it's an act of faith. It's that step of saying, Lord, I don't know it all, but You do. I don't know how all this is going to come together, but You do. And so I'm going to just rest in that peace of knowing that You impart that to me through Your Spirit. That I'm not going to have to fight and work, but I need to really push back against those things that want to steal it from me and just rest in where you're at. So during our response time, we have communion up at the front, either side. You can take the bread and 
dip it in the juice and receive, receive communion. We have, if you have an area of your life where it really just feels like, and I'll use the word torment, you just feel like it's just been racing in your mind over and over. We have a prayer team that would love to just agree with you for God's peace to be with you in that area of your life. And then we have an opportunity to worship now. And so my encouragement is if you're not going back to the prayer room or uh, you're, you're here worshiping, is to really bring yourself and just say, Lord, I'm surrendering my right to having all the answers that, that I think I need to make decisions that face me. I'm surrendering what I think, uh, having uh, all the information that I think is going to bring me peace. Lord, I'm surrendering that before you. And I'm just saying, come Holy Spirit and bring peace in this moment. Bring peace to my rest, to my mind. Bring peace to my body and put me at rest in you. Can we do that? Can we take this time of worship to be able to do that? Lord, we give you ourselves. We have no greater gift to offer than ourselves. And so, Father, we want this gift to be as free and light as you've designed it to be. We want want to live as unencumbered and, and, Lord, as full of joy and full of freedom as you've designed us to be. We don't want to carry burdens that aren't ours. We don't want to carry weights and, and live with headaches and tension and feeling overwhelmed all the time. Lord, we, we want to just receive the peace from the Prince of Peace. We want to receive peace that passes understanding and that comes to us from a faith of knowing that our Heavenly Father cares about us and loves us. And God, we, we know that that may be foolish, that, that's foolish to the world To the world, you only get peace when you have all the right answers and you have control. But Lord, we recognize we're not a people of control. We surrender our control to you you and what you have for us. And we find great rest in that. And so, Father, for each one here, as we come to worship now, you're the one we long for. You're the one that we desire, Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. Bring peace now in Jesus' name as we worship you. Amen.